You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Jay Harwitz with the Mets Amazing Alumni Podcast, and I'm privileged to have uh, Galen Sisko, an original Men played in 1962, and Galen has a unique background. He played for two of the most iconic coaches or managers in the history of sports. One was uh, Woody Hayes in uh, at Ohio State. Again, let's go back to January 1st, 1958. You're the captain and linebacker of the Ohio State team that beat Oregon in the Rose Bowl. What do you remember about that game, Galen? Well, I remember we were uh, heavily favored, but we only won by three points. It was a tough game. It was a tight game. I think it was 10 to 7. So uh, that's what I remember most. But uh, anyway, we come out with a victory, and it was a great trip for us and a good uh, national championship for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, it had to be a big thrill. You play in the Rose Bowl, 100,000 people cheering on, and that's got to be a pretty good feeling you play in that kind of crowd. Well, it's unbelievable, the crowds that uh, they played before now in colleges, and uh, it was pretty, uh, I don't know, it was just a wonderful experience, and you just couldn't believe the the fan reaction that that you get, and now, you know, they've continued that. They can hold 105,000 people, and uh, they fill it almost every week when they're at home. Did you play, uh, Gale, just, I know we were lying, did you play some fullback too, or were you just a linebacker? Well, back then, Jay, you had to play both ways. When I was a sophomore, uh, I started at uh, uh, linebacker and fullback. And in those days, see, you didn't have the substitution rule, and uh, you had to play both ways until I think I was a junior or senior and then they started implementing uh, 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 different sets. In other words, I remember that if you started a quarter, you could come out and go back in one time. But if you went in for somebody else during a quarter and came out, you were done for that quarter. Wow. And so, but uh, in the beginning days when I started there, you had to play both ways. Yeah, what kind of a guy was Woody Hayes to play for? Woody Hayes was the greatest guy you ever wanted to meet. He took care of his players. He he uh, loved his players. He was probably the most organized person that I've ever been around. How many of the guys you played with went on to NFL careers? Oh, my goodness. I can't tell you that, but the guys I played during my three years, well, say four years, that I attended Ohio State, I think there was 21 guys that I had played with in that era that went on to the NFL. And, of course, you know, after I got out, there was a steady flow of guys that went to the NFL. Not all of them were were made it uh, for five years or more, but uh, there were still a lot of guys that... uh, went through the pros. You you, you got out in you know, 58, and you signed with the Red Sox right away. Did you ever consider playing both sports or, you know, just baseball, football? You know, I <laughs> I had a chance, uh, uh, and that's all it was, a chance. I know 
there was a team that asked, called and asked if I would be interested. And I said, no, I was going to be playing baseball. And so that kind of squelched my, uh, you know, I, I figured that with my background in football, I could only be probably an outside linebacker because I wasn't the, had the greatest speed. Uh, but, uh, you know, looking at the, the offensive players, uh, probably couldn't have covered them well enough to make a career of it. So you signed with the Red Sox, and the guy who signed you, I'm hoping I'm correct, is Johnny Murphy, who would later play a part with the Mets. And, and in, in, um, in late 1962, Johnny Murphy goes back to the Mets, and he brings you over here. You know, get, Gil, in your, in your career, the, unfortunately, the Mets didn't have many winning seasons in the four years you were there. You, you came with the Mets in late 62, and I think they lost over 100 games every year when you were there. How, how tough was it to come to the park under those circumstances? You know, it was unbelievable, Jay. I know that our records were very poor uh, in those years, in those first four or five years. But, you know, the, the people flew, flowed into that ballpark like you wouldn't believe. And, you know, that was the first team back there uh, uh, since the National League cl- clubs had left. And New York was without National League club. And as the Mets came in, the fans came back, and, and they really supported us. And I don't think the fans really expected us to win. And I think they just showed their interest in us, and that's what that's what kept us going. We, you know, it was it was tough not to not to win win. And uh, but you know, with the draft back then, the players that you know that uh, was gathered for the Mets, uh, they were taken off of other clubs, and they was probably the twenty third, fourth, or fifth guys on other clubs. So. We didn't have superstars. We didn't have superstars, and uh, it takes a long time to build that up. What kind of a guy was Casey to play for, uh, Galen? Casey was a great guy to play for. He never blamed anything on on the players. I think that he was probably the greatest guy, greatest manager that could have managed the first-year match because you know, he he kind of loved the press, and the press liked him because uh, they could always write an article about Casey. And and uh, but Casey loved his players, and the players loved him. And and uh, like I said, he took a lot of pressure off of the players uh, with the personality he had with the press, and and uh, so on. And some people say, I mean, there really two Casey Stangles for the. You know the public with the press and the, how he treated you guys because I the players I've spoken to have nothing but good words to say how he treated the guys in the locker room. That he I missed that Jay he, he did or I mean I, I, people portray him as a buffoon sometimes, but I hear like there's two different cases one how he treated the players and like you say one how he dealt with the press outside. Well I tell you something about Casey he knew what was going on during those games. He, he may not have looked like he did, but he had his eye on that game. And, and uh, I thought he, uh, for the club that he had when I was there, I thought he did an excellent job. And like I said, was probably one of the better guys ever 
to have managed that at that time. You know, uh, Gail, in a couple of the time you're there, they have some kind of iconic Mets who are there. Do you have any remembrance of, like, Marv Throneberry? I know he's here that long. Did you have any byplay with him? I didn't spend a lot of time. You know, I came there at the end of the year, and and uh, but there was a lot of stories about Marv. I, I really didn't have any, but uh, I heard some. It didn't seem like they were true. I I probably can't repeat them in the good sense that right. that not to do justice to the stories, but uh, you know, it was guys like him that made the Mets uh, uh, notable. Uh, he wasn't the greatest first baseman that ever walked the line, but uh, he was there and he was part of the club. And uh, uh, there were some great articles written about him. Some of them was funny, and and uh, which you know maybe he didn't appreciate, but at least there was guys like that that uh, you know made. The, How about Rod Keneal? Uh, Rod Keneal was. Rod Keneal was kind of Casey's boy, and I know that if we had a chance to win the game and he needed a pinch runner, Rod Keneal was the guy because he he could run and and, uh, knew the game, and he was kind of Casey's boy. I think that uh, uh, they got along well. You know, anybody could talk to Casey, and and Rod liked to do that, and and uh, they they was almost like friends. Let me throw some dates at you, Galen. What your memories are? You you come to the Mets, nineteen sixty two. The Mets only win forty games there, and in your first start, you beat the Cubs in September, and in that game, you, t- you tied a major league record by striking out four pinch hitters during the game. You have any recollections of that first start? I do have a lot too. I know that uh, I can't tell you what the lineup was, but Joe Pignatano was a catcher, and uh, the thing that stands out to me most was uh, I was allowed to throw 162 pitches wow. in that game. Wow! And something that's unheard of today, but uh, yeah, I pitched the nine innings, and uh, that got me off to a good start and uh uh you know when i that's probably the best thing that ever happened to me was going to the mets at that time and then in 63 the next year you you pitch uh, 10 innings against the braves uh nowhere in runs and you win the game um you know three to one that one i don't remember so much well that was a good that was a good game and probably the most thing when i was you know i was actually at this next game i'm going to mention uh galen March uh, 31st, 1964, don't don't hate me, but I was a diehard Giant fan that game. Yeah. That day, I, I was a big Willie Mays fan. So the Mets lose the first game of a doubleheader to Juan Marichal, and the second game goes 23 innings. You pitch nine, eight shutout innings. You give up two runs in the 23rd inning and lose uh, eight to six. That's true. That's a true story. And, and yes, I remember that game, and actually... Uh, uh, I had pitched just a couple days before that, and not for long. But anyway, I came in that game in the 14th. I do remember that. And and uh, Casey asked me two or three times during that stint that how I was doing. I know I was kind of the last pitcher available, so uh, I w- he just said, "Just continue to do the best you got because uh, you're my last pitcher." <laughs> And you were ma- matched up against Gaylord Perry, 
who actually pitched the Hall of Famer who pitched ten innings in that game. That's right. You know, that's and, right. And I remember Willie Mays. I think played shortstop for a little bit in the game. He could have. And yeah. um, I, I think it was it was one for ten. You know, if you look back at your career, you know the record is you know eighteen and forty three for the Mets. But you know, with the bad teams, the ERA is about four. Right. And, I mean, you've got to be proud of the way you pitch with some bad teams. Well, uh, you know, that's that's uh, kind of the way they all started. And I wasn't the only one. Uh, Roger Craig was there. Jay Hook was there. Uh, Al Jackson was there. And we kind of had similar records. But so uh, it was fun being there, and it was a great experience for me. And, uh, uh, you know, I still read articles about back in the time once in a great while. So it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me, Jay. Gail, you get a sense, like, in 65, a lot of the uh, younger guys started to come, you know, Swoboda, Harrelson, McGraw, Crane, Paul, Benier. Did you feel that last day the things were could be turning around? I mean, I mean, with the infusion, some of the new players who led one would go on to lead the '69 team. Oh yeah, I think that that was starting to be a a, a good nucleus of of a, a good ball club, and and you know you have to credit the Mets for getting to a great team in that few years. I know that uh, I was with Kansas City when they started, and and. Uh, after about six years, we were in the playoffs uh, three three years in a row. So uh, they had they had guys coming on and had the ability to see forward. When when I think when Seaver finally arrived there, uh, that was a that was a start of a premium team. Gil, after your playing career, you went on to coach in the majors for close to thirty years with the. You know, Phillies, Padres, Blue Jays, Kansas City. Did your experiences of not really having a winning record help you, you know, in your teachings as a pitching coach to the other teams? Jay, I think it did because uh, as a player, you know, I wasn't a superstar as a player, and I kind of had to implement uh, different things from different coaches that I had along the line that helped me and in a lot of sense I used a lot of their ideas and stuff uh, along the way in coaching and I think uh, uh, as you go and pick out the stuff that's good for you uh, you can you can relate that to other pitchers or other players and I think that's what made me successful like you said, thirty years you have to you have to uh, run on to a lot of different kinds of pitchers and and I think all those guys that helped me along and and you know it was never easy. I never went to spring training knowing that I had a job, except maybe for one year and so you you pick up things here and there and you try to implement uh, stuff that's good for you and eliminate the stuff that doesn't work. So, uh, yes, I think being in that situation for uh, with the Mets helped me tremendously. Now we're in August. It's football season. Are you still a big Buckeye fan? I do. I still get my tickets every year. I don't go to a lot of games. I have a couple sons that 
I have trouble getting my tickets away from them. How are they going to do in the post-Urban Meyer era? I mean, you know, with the new coach. Oh, I think they're going to do fine. Uh, they always have a great recruiting class. And I think that uh, the new coach uh, is going to do just fine. So, but it's a wait and see. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, uh, Gil, I really appreciate your time and... And you know, and thanks for being on the Amazing Mets Alumni Podcast. I appreciate it. Sir. Okay, and if I ever get to town, I'll look you up. Please give, give us a call. Okay. I'd love to have you. Okay. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it. Bye. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.